If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. Oh, here we are. We are. We are uh, slowly putting our headphones on, getting the mics up to Things our face. Things are getting interesting. We're done texting, and we are here at the Spartan World Hello, Championship America. 2017. Excited to do something. I think we, what did we knock out? 14 interviews or so in four days? Oh, we, at something least. Something crazy. We something fire. Something we, crazy. We did something a little special for you guys today. We've never done this where we actually have combined... Uh, two short interviews, so they're about what twenty, thirty minutes a piece. It's mm-hmm. a one-two punch. You get to hear two very interesting individuals. We have Yemeni Mesa from Now Foods, or excuse me, No Foods. I always pronounce that wrong. Um, they're a grain-free food company or product, so they make those cookies that we actually got some samples of them. Yeah, they're non-GMO, grain, gluten-free, low glycemic index alternatives to traditional grain-based food. They're basically really delicious treats that are alternatives to the not-as-healthy They're addressing the junk food market in a different way. We have a great conversation with him. We talked to him about engineering food so that it uh, tastes incredible and what that means and fighting fire with fire when we're talking about the food industry. Um, we talk about his past and bodybuilding. It's a really interesting episode. This was really interesting because we weren't ready for it, right? They were kind of all over the place with the different interviews, and we had he some... wasn't ready for us either, right? So we sat down. You guys get a chance to hear an interview. Like we did not even know who he was. He sits down at the desk. We put our headphones on, and you guys actually get to listen to this conversation go from there. And so it was interesting because we're like, who are you? You know, they <laughs> they make describe yourself. They make uh, you know cookies, right? So you got to think, you know, us guy and talking about waffles and stuff like that. But I. Thought thought he handled himself extremely well. We asked him some tough questions. Yeah. And uh, very smart guy. Very, very, very composed, smart guy. Yeah. He's, he had some history with Tom Bilyeu. He worked with Quest. He was a part of their run to a billion dollar company. And then he also was part of Nestle. So the guy's got some pretty cool history. And, very, and I'm not going to lie, the 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 no foods cookie that they gave us, because oh we God. all got these, we got these bags because we were one of the official podcasts there or whatever. And in the bags are samples and stuff. And these cookies were really good, yeah. like really good, they, 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 almost too good. Might have had something to it do with the 40 grams of fat and 30 grams of carbohydrates, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Because we'll have to check them out Oh, yourself. it's definitely a, get, uh, get a meal. calories there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But a much better alternative than others. But you get to hear us talk about that. You guys can also look into them at nofoods.com. That's spelled K-N-O-W foods.com. So that's the first one. Then we talked to uh, what I think is my long lost oh, relative. Your, your brother, cousin? <laughs> Maybe. Like, what's the relationship there? I don't know. Joe DiStefano, he's the co-founder of Spartan Coaching. This is the world's first international obstacle course race training certification program. Now, I'm not really related to him. I said that because his name is his last name is the same as mine. Spelled just like yeah. you, just too, which like is rare. I've, from the, the only same time area I've of the world. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, very, very smart I guy. There's, I didn't even realize that they had a certification course, uh, but they do. He helped put it together, mm-hmm. and he talks about how they put it together and how other certifications work in this particular market. Really Here's very solid background he has. Very interesting. Here's one of the interesting things about this is I did not know this, but when you... Put a certification course together. Let's say you're a business and you want to certify trainers. One of the things that they tell you to do is to design a test, uh, a testing system that has at least a 90% pass rate. Because if it goes below that, you lose money. People don't want to take your certification. Uh, the Spartan Coaching Certification Program totally different. 
uh, Joe DiStefano and Joe DeSina are like, no, the people who pass this need to be badasses. So their pass rate is something like 50%. So if you get the yeah. certification, and you have to be certified to I get it. I love that mentality. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so if you get this uh, certification, you're probably a badass. So we talked to him about how they design it, what it looks like, and why they made it. One of the things, too, that he we got we talked a little bit about programming. You guys will hear that in here. And you know we were talking about a, a lot of the bad programming out there. And we talk about... You know, we encourage people to go through all of our programs, which would be our, our MAPS Super Bundle, where it's nine over nine months uh, worth of programming. And you definitely, you can hear it in the conversation where, you know, our as far as our philosophies of training and periodization and uh, all that, uh, right on the same page. So I, I have a lot of respect for this guy. Definitely think that uh, you guys will enjoy these these interviews. You will. And, and in other words, with the Super Bundle, when Adam says over nine months of exercise programming, what that literally means is from day one till uh, – in reality, it's almost a year's worth of exercise programming. Until the end, you have everything programmed out for you. The workouts, uh, the phases, whether you're using trigger sessions or focus sessions or mobility sessions or amp sessions – it's all planned out for you. Each month looks different. Each phase is different. The workouts change. Your body progresses the entire time. It's really the only – I don't know of any other program, fitness program online, that plans out a workout uh, that long and progresses you through mm-hmm. different forms and of adaptation. it addresses that many different adaptations. It's, it's incredible. There's nothing else like it. Uh, the Super Bundle is available at mindpumpmedia.com. So without any further ado – here we are talking to Yemeni Mesa from No Foods and Joe DiStefano from Spartan. We're recording live from the Lake Tahoe uh, at the Spartan Up PodFest, part of the 2017 Spartan Race World Championships. We're with Yemeni Mesa, Mesa from No Foods. Yeah, how'd you get your name? Yeah, I mean, by the way, because you said there's an interesting story, so it, I got to ask you. Yeah, thing. people typically assume it's uh, something to do with where I'm from or something like that. But I am from Colombia, South America, but there's nobody down there named Yemeni. Um, I had hippie parents. I was born a Gemini, and they named me Gemini, which is how they actually pronounce it. It's with mm. a Y in Spanish. My sister's a Sagittarius. They call her Saji, and their names are Ruth and George. So... Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Just got funky name. That's all. Excellent. All right. So, uh, tell us a little bit about No Foods. What do you guys stand for? What do you do? Uh, what's the business all about? No Foods is an amazing company. I'm uh, really stoked to be a part of it. Uh, joined the team less than a year ago, uh, and the company's less than a year old. It's a startup that's tackling what a, a few companies have started to do recently, which is the growing junk food category that comprises most of the calories that people consume nowadays. And for years, we've been telling people, eat less, exercise more. And that only works but for a narrow band of people, perhaps like you guys like and, and myself. We like to work out. We're disciplined. It's kind of like something that we're into. But most people, it's just not their thing. And so asking them to just eat less, exercise more, it's not been working. And um, I think that the only real solution to something like this is to give people what they want to eat, but just have it make it tasty, make it something that they actually enjoy eating. Um, and for that to actually work, you've got to rival the true junk food counterparts. So this is a company that's on a mission to bring bread back on the table um, for those who are no longer eating bread or for those who are and, and it's doing its damage, but it'll taste like real bread um, in all its forms. So. so you're trying to basically fight fire with fire, make something taste good that's healthy. So let's talk about the healthy part. What makes your foods healthy and what are the sources and... 
Sure. So one of the things that uh, we believe is causing uh, a lot of the health conditions that people are dealing with today is from diabetes to uh, type 3 diabetes, which is Alzheimer's, and um, a whole other metabolic disorders is the overconsumption of uh, simple carbohydrates, gluten, um, and grains. And so uh, unfortunately, some of these foods are the tastiest foods of all. They're the ones that we most enjoy eating, so it's very difficult to just give up these foods. Um, we are bringing foods to market that taste like those things. For example, one of our products is a waffle. Um, typically, if you were to eat a waffle, it's made out of grains and gluten and very simple carbohydrates. So after you eat a waffle, you have a very um, intense metabolic response. You have a big insulin spike and a big insulin uh, and a big blood sugar drop. Um, <clears throat> and that causes all sorts of problems that uh, you end up having to deal with throughout the day. Our waffle is not made out of simple carbs or grains or sugar. Uh, it's made out of protein, fibers, and healthy fats. So when you eat a waffle, you have no metabolic response, yet it tastes amazing. So if you love waffles and you don't want to give up waffles in your life, mm. you now have something you can replace them with. All right. Um, and that's one of many products that we have. Mm. And so you guys have been around, you said, for just less than a year or right around a how's year. How's it been growing? It's been amazing. So there's a huge reception for products like this. Um, if you could imagine, there's a lot of people already who have given up gluten uh, as part of their paleo diet, for example. Um, there's a lot of people that have given up uh, carbs as part of their keto diet. And so when we bring products to market that deliver amazing taste without grains, without gluten, and without all the carbs, you can imagine uh, how well received it is. So it's been growing amazing. We started just on our website initially. Uh, we then uh, ventured into Amazon, and now we're going into retail and it's been going, it's been going great. And do you have just a couple of staple foods or do you guys have like a whole grocery list? I mean, how, how many foods are you dealing with right now? We have a broad, broad product assortment. Uh, it's over 20 different products right now. So we have everything from like the waffles that I just mentioned to uh, an amazing chocolate chip cookie that we recently launched. And uh, let me tell you, it's like a soft baked chocolate chip cookie but it only has four grams of net carbs for uh, like a really big cookie. So it's really, that's yeah. the one we got. How the, do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like right? magic. Yeah. It's a big cookie. It's, I think it's a 400 calorie yeah, it's cookie. A big cookie. So it's, a, yeah. it's like a meal Yeah, right there. Yeah. So, Spread and it it's, it's, it's good. You mentioned that because not only is it 400 calories, there's 32 grams of fat in this cookie. So a lot of people, when they first see that, um, are scared. There's still a lot of people thinking that low fat is the way to go. And a low fat diet is a healthy diet. Um, as it turns out, it's quite the opposite. Um, it's a combination of a high-fat diet and uh, carbs that leads to a lot of these problems. But when you have very low carbs and good healthy fats, um, you end up having a very healthy meal. But to answer your question, oh, how do we do it and, and is there magic, it's really fascinating. Right now, it's, um, it's a good time because there's a lot of effort uh, being put into food innovation. And there's a lot of cool new ingredients that are hitting the market. And one of those happens to be uh, a sugar called allulose which um, we use in our product. Uh, there's another company out there called Quest Nutrition. They use it in their bars. Mm. Um, allulose happens to be an actual sugar. It's a naturally occurring sugar that's found in nature, fruits like uh, dates and raisins. But it's a very unique sugar in that, um, different from normal sugar in two, in two ways. One, it's got a fraction of the calories. So sugar would have four uh, calories per gram. This has 0.4, so one-tenth the calories that normal sugar per has. gram per gram. So what is low. the rest of it? Fiber? No, it just doesn't have that many calories okay. uh, per gram. Just like, you know, fat has nine calories. Right, right, right. Uh, this particular type of sugar only has 0.4. Um, and then even more exciting than that, it has no metabolic response. So when you eat allulose, you get no blood sugar spike 
In fact, a lot of people get some sort of a blood sugar now that, drop. Now, where do they come up with that? Because that's fascinating to me because, you know. Mm. Uh, yeah, what's the test group? Because a carbohydrate by nature is four grams, well, not uh, four o- calories. Not only grams. that, but we've also, you know, we've, we're finding out now, too, that even uh, what we used to think about the glycemic index is kind of crazy because we're seeing that some people, the way, some people respond mm. uh, to a cookie or a sugar bomb one way, and then another, another person eats that and has a total different response. Very true. So, Have you, know, you seen some of the studies that they've done with these glucose, these continual glucose, glucose monitors? monitors yeah. Fascinating stuff where you'll have somebody who will eat like a macadamia nut and have a spike in insulin, <clears throat> um, and they think it might be some kind of an immune, maybe an immune response. So there's that individual variance. You're, you, you, you mentioned several times like gluten-free. Like what is the problem with gluten? Why should people, why do you think people should avoid it? Now, I do know that lots of autoimmune issues and lots of people have reactions to gluten, but then there's other people who seem to not have a reaction, or at least they think they don't. What's the problem with it, and why, why do you guys stay away from it? It's a great question, and um, I'm not the guy to give you the super technical answer on the like the mechanisms by which gluten does damage. Uh, mm-hmm. I know there's associations with leaky gut and all that good okay. stuff, but um, from my own personal experience, I have been experimenting with diet and nutrition my entire life, as long as I can remember. I, I tell a story that I, my earliest memory um, of anything to do with fitness and nutrition is drawing muscles on my body when I was six years old in front of the muscle, in front of the mirror so I could have muscles and flex. Mm-hmm. So it's been something that I've been uh, doing for, for quite some time. And about, I don't know, 10 years ago or so, I stumbled into gluten-free. Um, I happened to be trying everything I could to figure out why my, all my joints were hurting all the time. I was in my 30s. I thought, okay, maybe I'm starting to get old. I'm in my 40s now, by the way. But in my 30s, I'm thinking, am I getting old now? Um, I'd gone to every kind of doctor you could think of, uh, even rheumatologists to do tests. And everybody said, you're fine. You're fine. Everything. You're, you're good. Um, on a whim, I tried a gluten-free diet. <clears throat> Felt amazing. Felt amazing. All my joints stopped hurting almost immediately. And I don't know why I hadn't made that connection in the past when I used to diet as a bodybuilder in, in, in the old competitive days. Technically, you go into a gluten-free diet by going so low-carb. And I remember feeling really good during those uh, types mm-hmm. of... Uh, Nutritional, nutritional program. So, so your background is bodybuilding. You have a background in bodybuilding. I do. And you competed and did that did. whole thing. I did. Now, did you compete naturally or were you enhanced or did you do a whole world of uh, like the whole thing? I did compete uh, both naturally and enhanced. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've ever publicly talked about that, but I'm happy to, to share that now. Yeah. In the, in the early 90s, I competed both as a teenager and in my early 20s in the NPC. Oh, and, awesome. uh, I ended awesome. up winning the Mr. Huntington Beach light heavyweight and overall titles, uh, which was like, I, I guess my biggest grand accomplishment. Then I competed in the LA NPC placed fifth and then never competed again. It was, now, uh, do you think that you're the, cause we, you know, Adam's a IFBB, uh, professional, uh, physique competitor. I grew up in that world, not as a competitor, but just as a, as an admirer and we're all yeah. been in fitness forever. And all of us at some point over the last 10 years have, uh, experienced, an autoimmune reaction of some sort. I had horrible gut issues uh, that now I've solved through nutrition. And, and yeah. I think I can link it back to that that lifestyle, that bodybuilding mm-hmm. lifestyle, especially the consumption all of protein the crazy amounts of supplements that we consumed and all the artificial sweeteners and stuff. Did you notice this as you were progressing? Like you were cool and then all of a sudden getting more issues as you got older and now staying away. Do you think that played a role? I would say so through my 20s, I felt indestructible and I didn't really have any kind of health issues in terms of my joints or anything like that. In my thirties, I felt old and decrepit. Like my whole body was falling apart on me. 
in my 40s now, I feel like I did back in my 20s. Um, and I do think that probably the crazy extreme type of dieting that, you know, you need to do to get in and out of shape for a bodybuilding contest played a role. But I, you know, I grew up also, um, in a single family home where we were eating like, you know, Twinkies for dinner and stuff like that, because that's what we had to eat. So mm -hmm. I, I think I ate a very crummy high sugar diet through my teen years. That was me. Um, and muffins from Costco and ice like, cream for dinner yeah so so that kind of stuff so I can only imagine you know the what it did to my insulin and and why today I, I can bear if I barely touch carbs I get fat so mm. I do really well on low 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 carb and so for me I by the way I used to work at Quest I ran sales at Quest for a number of years and we started that company as a high protein low carb company mm -hmm. and one day uh, somebody came to visit us and turned our world upside down, uh, Peter Atia and Dominic D'Agostino. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And we started paying attention to fat. And um, I had dabbled with the ketogenic diet in the past, but not in the way that we started playing with it um, at Quest. And that was transforming. Um, what know. did you experience when you, when you went keto? Um, the first thing was... I don't think I had ran on ketones in many, many, many years. So getting off glucose and suddenly running on ketones, uh, appetite was suddenly completely under control. All the cravings went away. So this obsession over having to get food every two hours has just disappeared. Um, joints again, and I had already, you know, I'd kind of given gluten up uh, for the most part, but going full keto, you, you, there is no gluten in your diet. And, and that just made me feel all around better. Digestion improved tremendously. So... Uh, no issues with GI discomfort at any moment. It's just you kind of have a flat belly and it mm -hmm. feels good all the time. And then oddly, I got crazy, crazy lean. So I did it for um, about a year straight, almost a year straight with no like refeeds or anything like that, just straight up keto. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. And um, it was very easy because the results I was getting were just ridiculous. I've never been that lean, no cardio in my 40s, as lean as I was in my 20s. It was super crazy. And then it kind of stopped, by the way. And then I started to see some muscle loss. Um, and then body composition-wise, I realized not the best for the long term. Mm -hmm. Health-wise, damn, yes. So I do go in and out of keto throughout the year. I try to do like I'm four, glad, four weeks I'm straight. glad you say that because not all, some people get yeah. on. We, we all uh, went through we, we all went through the ketogenic diet like, <clears throat> God, it was a year and a half ago, maybe two years mm -hmm. ago. It was actually after we hung out with Dom. Mm -hmm. and, <laughs> he's, uh, he he's influencing a lot of people. Yeah. Like, well, you know, and, sure. and, and you know what? I didn't want to. So I was at that time I was competing and I was eating anywhere between five, 600 grams of carbs a day. Okay. And and my thought process was like, why the fuck would I want to stop eating all these carbs? This is awesome. <laughs> I could fit stuff like cookies and shit in my yeah. diet and still look lean. You're cool. one of those if it fits your macros guys, right? Well, I, I kind of had that. <laughs> At you know, that I, yeah, initially, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Initially, I was like that, and I and I think that's a lot to do with the issue. I have auto, I have psoriasis that I deal with and stuff too. And so uh, when we, I don't know what, what was I just telling you about that with, with the competing and Dom with the keto. Oh, we all went ketogenic, mm -hmm. and uh, it, I mean we all had amazing results from it. But I also think that there's, uh, like I really like the way Dr. Mercola talks about it. Like, I'm not sure if you're familiar with his fuel for fat, but the cyclical way of doing it where you're keto for a while, come out of it for a bit, and then go back From an it. evolutionary standpoint, it only makes sense. Uh, it really does. Humans probably were ketogenic sometimes, and sometimes they weren't. Mm -hmm. and it's Probably most of the time. Well, and it's yeah. switch, you know, switching those energy sources maintains what, what they call metabolic flexibility. I'm probably the most... Uh, keto-ish out of the group, but mm -hmm. I, I also had the worst like autoimmune uh, issues with food. I had lots of gut issues, and me keto. Too. I mean, and, I and keto solved that for me. But I think by nature, a keto diet is 
It's anti-inflammatory. Obviously, if you have issues processing glucose, which can happen from, again, an immune response. In fact, uh, you know, things like Alzheimer's, they'll call like type 3 diabetes. Yeah. Um, all of a sudden, you feel sharper, you feel better, mood feels better. But over time, keto, a ketogenic diet literally is simulating almost like a slow starvation. So over time, you, you can notice things like muscle loss and stuff like that. And so we interviewed Dr. Mercola, and even now he's one of the most, he was one of the most ardent supporters of ketogenic diet. Like he, that, half his career was made on that. And he even says, yeah, no, on the weekends or once a week, it's a good idea to have some carbohydrates to kick yourself out and then kind of go back in. I completely subscribe to that. So if you guys ever stumble into my Instagram account, uh, it's uh, keto underscore head. So that's how into the keto diet I am. That's, oh, my, wow. that's literally my Instagram name. <laughs> oh, wow. Keto yeah. underscore head. And if, mm. you, if you see it, you'll notice that I pretty much live that lifestyle almost year round. So I'm very much ketogenic four days or so a week. And then uh, I'm off on the weekends and it takes me about a day or two to get back into a ketogenic state. What are your carbohydrates of choice when you do have them? So it depends if I'm going to have a refeed day or a cheat day. And I, I differentiate between the two in that if I'm going to have a refeed day, um, I'll have clean carbs, what I'll call clean carbs, things that I do well with. Rice does well for me, so I'll have rice. Um, I'll also do a lot of fruit. Um, and I'll mix the fruit with yogurt and a lot of honey. So um, I take advantage of that refeed to put stuff back into my gut that I know it's good for, for my gut uh, and things that I normally wouldn't be able to have uh, while I'm started, trying to stay ketogenic. But um, when I have a cheat day, that's actually pizza and ice cream. Oh, so you go off, off. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So it depends on what I'm doing. So that's, that's why I have a differentiation between the two. So if I want to be very disciplined and, um, and I'm not necessarily trying to stay keto, but I'll be very low carb, high fat. And then on the weekends, very disciplined, I'll do like mm -hmm. a meal that's a very high carb, clean carb kind of a meal. If I'm not, and there's months out of the year where it's not a priority for me because I'm flying around all over the place and... Uh, work and being a dad and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So it kind of takes a backseat. It's very easy for me to do low carb, high fat, and then have a cheat meal on, the, on a Saturday. Now, what what would you consider for you now is high carb? Because I know being a guy who was doing 600 grams of carbohydrates after my experience with keto, it forever changed my macro profile. Like yeah. now, high carb is 200, 250. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, it's crazy. And you get the same like feeling. Oh, I get the same effect. anabolic and feel like the same thing, when, and which I'm sure you get too in the gym. It's amazing when you've been keto for a while and then you feed yep. and then you train. It's like you, you feel, fill out and yeah. it, you get glycogen back into your muscles. It right. feels good. Um, yeah, you're right. So, I mean, for me, low carb personally is 25, under 25 grams per day. So that's how I am most of the time. And then when I do refeeds, I'm actually not even counting the carbs, to be honest with you. If, um, if it's a cheat day, it's a lot of ice cream and a lot of pizza. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many, I, know, I don't know what it is up to. And I know I have a big glucose spike as a result of that. And I, I think I benefit from it um, just in general. Um, resetting all the hormones. I think and, so too. Um, I, I think if you have, if you have control of it, you understand what you're doing. I think there. I think there's lots of benefit of it. I think the problem with most people and is they they hear that and then it's that's where they spiral out of control, right? Mm. One cheat day leads to two. It's that, and in keto diet in general is just crazy confusing. I was just talking to somebody who, um, in my mind, is relatively educated and does nutrition and competes and all that, and she shared with me that she you know this keto thing hasn't worked for me, and whenever I add fat to my diet, I just get fat. I was like, okay, well, what are your macros? And she kind of broke them down for me. And I'm like, okay. And then when you added fat, what did you do? And she's like, well, just butter my coffee, yeah, you know, avocado. Just added a bunch of extra calories. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm like, <laughs> have you ever thought about taking out carbs, like equal amount of calories and just maintaining your calories? Like, oh no, I hadn't thought about that. I'm like, keto isn't just adding fat to your diet. You actually <laughs> right. 
You've, you you can't have glucose in your diet. So, um, or you have people that do the other one, which I get a they, lot, which is they, they, they just pull the carbs out and then, yeah. and then they don't and add it, enough fat. And now and they're then, in a and, shitty and situation. And now their body's going like, fuck, I get no ketones. I get no fat. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it turns the protein into carbs. Just eat a bunch of, you know, gluconeogenesis. Going so on. I, yep. that, that's another one that I see a lot of. And, and I, I've tried to explain this one to people. So, I guess you can go into ketosis by having a lot of protein and then doing a shitload of cardio, but you don't have to do hours of cardio. You could just back down your protein a little bit and then I'll save all that time. I, I don't do any cardio anymore. I, we don't either. We yeah. talk about it all the time. <laughs> I just, yeah. I and let me tell you, I'm, me too. I, I'll, I just no occasionally sweat. walk. I live, I live in Manhattan Beach. I walk on the beach every now and then. It's not anything as strenuous, but I, I used to be one of those people that had to do all kinds of cardio just to mildly see some abs and I, I don't do any cardio anymore and I'm pretty mm. lean so mm. crazy yeah no i i've ad- i've definitely identified carbohydrates that seem to uh really work well with my gut one of them is buckwheat i don't know if you ever eat buckwheat oh yes i make buckwheat. oh man i tell yes. you what you could buy buckwheat like uh cereal and you can make hot cereal with it and it's like the easy that's like the easiest thing i've ever digested in my life that's a carbohydrate i and used to fantastic. i used to carb up when i competed with buckwheat pancakes yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in, uh, I can't believe that. I can't believe mm. no, a lot of people don't eat them here. Yeah. The reason because of my gut, I could actually digest. I don't have no gut issues with those. So yeah, that's hmm. no. That's uh, what about your protein intake? I, I'm sure as a bodybuilder, you ate a shit ton of protein. Do you eat? <laughs> did you reduce it now? Because we're not. We're not. We we're one of the few fitness podcasts where you know high protein has got benefits for muscle building, but not these ridiculous amounts that you know bodybuilders promote. These one to two grams per pound of body weight, which is yeah. Insane. I was blown away by how low I could take my protein and still. still maintain muscle and or add muscle I've blown away when I first went keto I just kept taking lower and lower I think at one point I was under 100 grams uh, of protein uh, per day and still maintaining some good amount of um, muscle mass Uh, but today I gosh what's my protein intake it's 150 grams to 180 Mm -hmm. grams per Mm day max yeah, high protein even. Uh, now there's a lots of evidence showing that it promotes uh, uh, accelerated aging and in the right context is even potentially pro-cancer. I've read. So people eating these ridiculous amounts of protein, not really good. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, high protein may even be, Mercola told us, he thinks that eating, overeating protein may be as bad or worse than overeating carbohydrates even, which is pretty it crazy. It could be. There's an insulogenic response from drinking whey protein, right? So you're yeah. spiking insulin when you're drinking whey protein as well. Yeah, so. but I don't even, th- I think it's more than that. I think it's the, you know, constant high levels of mTOR and all these yep. other, you know, muscle building signals that you're sending that also tend to drive aging and and cancer. So it's kind of interesting. As we've, you know, we've had, we've had the podcast now for about two and a half years and we've had the pleasure of interviewing some just brilliant minds and we've all been in fitness for a very long time and Little by little, it looks like, you know, having, uh, you know, high plant intake uh, is very important, especially your non-starchy, you know, vegetables. Yep. And fats are good. Proteins are good sometimes. Carbohydrates are also good sometimes. And just kind of working them in and eating these natural kind of foods, these unprocessed, you know, unadulterated natural foods. And that seems to be the best advice for most, uh, most everybody. You know? And that's pretty manageable. I mean, you could put together a a relatively um, delicious meal plan around those general principles and do really, really well. Um, I think the the big thing to do is to get the mass majority of people to move away from, you know, a low fat mentality still that believe it or not, it's still pervasive today. And and I live in a world where pretty much everyone around me knows that that's not the way to go. But mm-hmm. when I step outside of that, I, I'm very quickly reminded that people are like, Ooh, Oh yeah. So it's, I mean, it, 
Butter and oil changed my life. Like I was not a <laughs> vegetable. Of his next well, book. I wasn't. I wasn't yeah. a vegetable butter eater because I, I grew up on the the so the low fat mentality also for such a long time that you know vegetables were steamed and they were boring and it was like shoveling them down and but now man I'll eat a big old thing a bowl of vegetables. That was some, the second. That was another interview that changed us was uh, Dr. Terry Walls. Yeah. Dr. Terry Walls, who uh, I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she's um, a brilliant uh, scientist. She MS was stricken with MS and through her own process, was able to essentially reverse uh, very, very, I mean, she had very, very bad uh, case of it. And she's developed the, the, the walls protocol, which is uh, like six higher- to eight, Six to eight servings of- Vegetables a day. Yeah. But it's a very high fat, lower carbohydrate, even lower protein, but lots and lots of vegetables. After we interviewed her, I was already eating lots of vegetables. Tons now I eat even more. Yeah. That made a massive difference yeah. in how I I'll felt. tell you guys, like you, I was not a vegetable eater. Um, well, because vegetables don't have proteins, carbs, or fat, right? So as a bodybuilder, <laughs> you're like, why? That and I just, I, don't, I didn't like them. Like, yeah. I, would, I would force myself to eat bro- broccoli, believe it or not, because yeah. I remember thinking or knowing that, you know, I need you're to get some to. greens. You're yeah. supposed to. So it was like, ugh, I'll eat that, get it out of the way, and then enjoy my meal. But one of the meals... Maybe the meal I most look forward to every day is the salad that I have at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and it's like, you know, a lot of kale and there's like macadamia nuts in there and uh, marcona almonds and peppers and there's a, a bunch of vegetables and it's a big salad. And then I mow that thing down and I love every bite of it. Um, and I don't know if it's because I've changed how I eat, but I crave that now. Yeah. And I used to no, not. I do, I do too. I, I remember when I first got into competing, I went around, I was talking to buddies and I, I did it all myself. I didn't have a coach or anybody like that, but I have lots of friends that were already pros. And I went around and I started, I wanted to hear their, their diet philosophies. Like, okay, well, you know, what do you guys do? And uh, I, I was telling them that I love eating salads and they all kind of like laughed and mocked me and stuff like that <laughs> because I do that. And I thought, okay, this is crazy. But it, I mean, I, you've been probably removed from it from a really long time. It's crazy how bad it is. It's still really, really bad, even at the professional level uh, with the dieting and, and the bro science that's still going on there. It is. I, I occasionally look and then I very quickly turn away because I, yeah. I can't jump in and, 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 and I don't even know where to start uh, on, on those kinds of things. I'll tell but, you what, though, the, the, the kind of well, the wellness movement, when we started the podcast, we called it and we said, look, we got wellness over here. We got fitness over here. They're going to merge at some point and it's starting to happen now, even with that whole muscle building fat loss market because you see now protein powders, organic, you know, no artificial sweeteners or colors. Grass or protein fed. Yeah. Grass fed. It's already starting to happen, yeah. which I think is a good thing. Yeah. So it's, in, it's, it's very, very cool. Very interesting. One of the things that we also talk about on the podcast is we talk a lot about something called intuitive eating, which is just really a process of understanding uh, how to relearn uh, because we've, lo- we've been taught for, for since we were children to ignore the natural signals of our body, which humans evolved to uh, help direct us in our eating, both to eat the right amounts, not to overeat, and to seek out the right foods. And one of the things that has uh, taught us to ignore that, or one of the things that's made it, uh, turned that into a problem, are these highly processed and engineered foods that combine tastes and textures and colors in ways that hack our brains, you know, systems of satiety. Yeah. You know, and we see this with, um, you know, we interviewed uh, Rob Wolf a while ago and he told <laughs> us about, um, why to eat's a great book. If you yeah. excellent yeah. book. And we, he talked to us about these, you know, these professional food, e- uh, you know, competitors or eaters when they would eat, you know, uh, a, a food 
and uh, they would switch back and forth. They would have to switch back and forth in order to continue eating. Yeah. And so what's what's interesting about it's actually it, what we do when we eat, right? right? Yes. Yeah. So we can yeah. keep eating, right? We're learning yeah. how to ignore that shit. Yes. So so what's interesting is your company is doing that. You guys are engineering these foods to hijack these systems because you're fighting these other people that are doing it with 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 you know bad products. So it's you're very trying perceptive. To, it's yeah. very perceptive. So um, I, I will I'll I'll take a step back in and um, go back to the Quest days. So I spent four years there with some pretty amazing people. Tom being one of them. You guys have interviewed Tom, and um, we understood that. Um, I come from a food industry background. I've worked I've worked with Nestle. I've worked with some of the biggest food companies out there. So I understand. There's no malicious plot, by the way. They're just all competing with each other over who's They're trying make, to get you to buy their food. Course. Yeah. And that's the best who, way to do it. Who's going to make the best tasting ice cream? Who's going to make, make the best? It's so the same that, thing guys are doing in tech to get you addicted to their tech. It's no different correct. with food. Correct. So if you can only imagine the amount of effort that goes into making like a Doritos chip taste the way that it does and the amount oh, of residue yeah. that gets left in your finger and all that. Most is, of the money that goes into those foods goes into that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there's a guy that we um, that wrote a book, and I I'm not going to think of it right now, but perhaps I'll give it to you guys later. But he, he talked about this. He spent all these years working in the food industry, and he talked about if only somebody in the health food industry would hire me, I'd love to share all these tricks with them. And so we hired that person at Quest as one of the many people that was part of the R and D team over mm. there. And so we develop products with that in mind. So how, there's all these fun tricks to make things taste better. Let's uh, talk about that because sure. this is fascinating shit. And I would yeah, love definitely. for our audience to know, like, how do you make your stuff? Yeah, how do you engineer? Yeah, what did you guys do with your stuff to make it? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't sure. want you to divulge sure. your yes. trade secret sauce. <laughs> yeah. But so, I mean, it's because it's everything. People don't sure. realize it's not just the taste. It's also the texture, the mm-hmm. smell, the mm-hmm. way it feels in your mouth, like you the way it, it sticks on your fingers. All, all that, that shit. Yeah. All of that. Very, very true. So, um, so at, at Quest, it was a, a pretty robust R&D team of people who were pretty much focused on just that. Um, at No Foods, we have an interesting approach to it. So we have a, a true culinary chef who has you know a, a, a lifelong career in making amazing, delicious food. And then we have an amazing R&D team that works along with this person. And so they're bringing together all of the little science tricks that come with making foods taste amazing with an actual chef who is you know working on the culinary side. And then together they bring something uh, you know forward like the cookie that we have. And so the cookie that we have... Um, I'll call it version 2.0 because we've already had one version that's already improved from the one, the one that we have right now. Um, but our goal is to get that as close as humanly possible to experiencing a, a biting into a soft baked chocolate chip cookie. Um, and are we there yet? We're getting close, but it's pretty darn good. I mean, we're trying to mimic all those same, same things with our chocolate and our flowers and finding a way to do all of this without actually using grains or gluten. So, um, Alulose would be an example of something that ends up working there because it has all the properties of uh, sugar in many ways, both uh, in flavor and then in texture. And so there's a lot of innovative things you can do with Alulose that allow you to give really amazing texture to, to the foods. Fascinating. Hmm. So yeah, I, I want to challenge a, a little bit of a thought process. And I just want to sure. hear, you, hear uh, uh, you speak on this is what do you think? Because I do. Lo- I think what you guys are doing is amazing. And I think you've got to kind of fight fire with fire, right? But what about, I mean, do you, are, is there any fear that, because obviously your intentions are pure and good and, we're, and the idea is that we're going to provide a better, healthier product and hopefully we have a healthier world because of this, yep. right? So um, what I have found with so many people is, is the um, 
behavioral patterns that have, they've caused from the eating, right? From the liking it so much. Yes. I even catch myself with the newest Quest bar out right now. So it's like, I'm the hero bar. Dude, I'm that's all, good. The caramel pecan hero bar is to die for. Blueberry. And, dude, <laughs> I'll, I'll go through, I could go through four of those back right. to back to back. Okay. So I have to, like, I, what I do, I have a refrigerator all the way down in my garage. I like them cool because they're really good. You cool, you let them room temperature for about 30 seconds. I love them. They're really good. Right. Um, but I could I could nail a whole box if I don't if I don't pay attention to that. And I know being a health fitness conscious guy, I care about that shit. Right. Um, how many other people probably struggle with that discipline? And I used to I remember I used to date this girl, I used to buy those <laughs> those skinny cows all the time, right? My, actually guy. it was my girlfriend Ben Greenfield. He he used to like, yeah, eat those yeah. he used to eat those uh, skinny that cows. That is a hot girl. He I'll used tell you to what. he used to eat those yeah. skinny cows all yeah. the time to try Wait, the ice cream sandwiches? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I helped launch that brand many, many years oh, ago. Did you oh, really? skinny cow. So you know, and you and what happens? <laughs> these people that struggle with weight normally, what they do is they buy that because they feel better because they're making they're making a better choice. But then instead of just eating one that's 130 calories, they eat fucking five of them that's 700. So you're touching a lot of really cool stuff. Let yeah. me let me unpack some of that. So um, yes, if you make the everything taste so amazing that people just eat all day long, that's right. problematic. No, no, no question. Um, you also touched on like a skinny cow type product where people are buying things that they think are actually good for them when in reality it's a metabolic disaster. Lanny and Larry's is a good example. I don't mean to pick on those guys, but it's a cookie that's supposed to be good for you. It's got 34 grams of sugar. It's a full-blown metabolic disaster every time you it's eat It's an actual those. cookie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's actually, I don't have a real cookie because I think it's lower in sugar than- <laughs> It is. I've, so, I've seen people do the comparisons before. They put a real cookie next to it. And it's like right. something. Agreed. So, but the the first point you made is, is one really worth um, thinking about and- um, we're not, we don't seem to be as wired to crave um, eating protein and fat nonstop the way that we are carbs. Um, like there's no, there, there's like no stop mechanism there. there if you, you guys may have seen a video, um, it's, it's on YouTube. It's an old video of this tribe that still lives in the um, Amazon jungle, very much like wonder gatherers and mm -hmm. hunter gatherers, whatever. And it's a really cool uh, video because it shows how they occasionally do get sugar in their diet. You know, they live almost the entire year, no sugar. Every now and then they find honey at the top of these very tall trees and they'll climb to the top of the canopies to, to get the honey and they'll risk their life and limb and often get hurt. They, they get stung from head to toe every time by, by, by bees, but they do it nonetheless. They risk their life to get sugar. And when they do get their hands on the honeycomb, they eat the they, fuck out of it. They and just devour it, right? Mm. And then they eat every last bite of it. They don't just like have a few bites and I'll have some later. It's like uh, all of it. Mm -hmm. And so we're wired that way. And so if you can somehow make like healthy quality proteins, fibers and healthy fats, the, the things that we should be eating taste like that sugar that we love, I'd rather overeat on, on that end than overeating on the sugary stuff just right. because of the metabolic consequences that come from one versus the other. So that said, there, there's still that one, like the overeating component and I'll fall into that category. I mean, I'll eat all kinds of stuff all the time. I, I don't have a stop mechanism on a lot of things. So for me, keto really helped me on that one. It really- Oh, keto it, changed yeah. me for that. Yes. If I'm keto, I, I see more struggle with like the, the process stuff, the bars, the things yeah. like that. If I introduce those into my diet, if I'm eating a pure keto diet, I won't do that. If I'm just eating fats and things like that. But even for me, post-keto, so if I get out of ketosis, I- somehow since originally 
doing it, I, I have a lot more control over my I think cravings. What, I think what happens, is, and it's like I'm just way more sen- – you're way more sensitive, right? Yep. I mean, we're way more insulin sensitive. And now what used to take 600 carbs to give me that system that, okay, you're really full on this shit. Mm. And it happens now at 150 Correct. or so. so well, I'd say the, be- the best thing that I, I've ever done and I've ever recommended for people to kind of reset – uh, those systems of satiety and to kind of can reconnect to some of the signals of their body is to fast. There's 100%. nothing that does it any better than fasting because once you fast, first off, you get to feel hungry for the first time in your life, which people laugh when they when I say that. And they're like, what are you talking about? I feel hungry every day. It's like, no, you don't. So true. You've never gone longer than probably eight to 10 or 12 <laughs> so hours yeah. without food. So you need to know what that really and feels like. you can like. work through it. Yeah. And you need to realize, okay. and you need to realize that most of the time when you think you're hungry, it's an emotional connection to food or it's a, it's a connection to anxiety it's or no stress. It's no different than checking your phone for your latest IG post or whatever. Right. It's, it's that same kind of weird craving that you're right. just getting a, a quick fix from it. But the fasting component is a, is a big one for me. And I do a lot of intermittent fasting as part of my, what sure. I normally do. But I do, I have this, I've had this ritual for many years and, and I'm glad that I've done it. And I'm learning a lot more about the benefits that are coming from it. Uh, and that's a three-day fast, how I start my year every yep. year. Um, and I used to do it simply because the reasons I did it is because it's my way of kind of understanding all the little crutches that I've been using throughout the year. Like they start to add up like little things that you do to that are non-productive. And for three days I remove everything and food just happens to be one of those. Um, <clears throat> but as it turns out, like true fasting for three days plus, if you guys have seen all the Rhonda Patrick stuff that she's been working on, good mm-hmm. Lord. I mean, there's nothing but benefits. It's, it's about health benefits it is everywhere. Part, it well, is they, part they, of they say when it starts hitting three to five, it's, it's the sweet yeah, spot, right? Stem cell boost production. Oh, I mean, uh, it, one of the most anti-cancer things you could possibly do to the point where the FDA right now is researching fasting as an adjuvant therapy to chemotherapy because in their studies, they're finding that people will use far less chemo if they do a fasting protocol with it and it's more effective, which yep. means less side effects better effect on the cancers. Uh, fasting has been part of the cancer treatment in uh, Chinese and Eastern medicine for thousands of years. That was how they treated, you know, cancers. They didn't know what it was, can- it was cancer, right. but that's how they started treating it. And so I recommend that uh, to any healthy person to go for a prolonged fast. At least I like to do it once every six months. I'll do a 48 hour, 72 hour fast. And uh, I respond better to protein afterwards, yeah. better to carbs afterwards, better to fats. Um, I'll tell you what I did for for my gut. So we have a, a friend of ours who's a gut health specialist, uh, Dr. Mike Ruscio. And he talked about how many times people with gut issues have just this dysbiosis going on where they have these overgrowths of certain bacteria and maybe something called SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Mm-hmm. And he recommended that I do a prolonged fast and then supplement with natural antimicrobials uh, go on a very low sugar type diet and do that for like a 14 day period and then see how I felt. So I did that uh, two times, not in a row. I did one and I did it, I took like two months off and I did another one. And I'm telling you right now, no joke, I feel like it literally, and I'm, I don't use this word lightly, almost cured some of my issues to the point now where I was so sensitive to gluten. And these guys will tell you, I'd have a little bit and I would be, I would be ruined. I'd be fucked. Now I could have gluten every once in a while and it doesn't seem that to bother hard. me. And that was flexibility. Right? It was that, it was that what I did right there. It was that fast with the antimicrobials and, uh, and for about 14 day period. And I think <clears> it just kind of reset my body and it's something that people don't, don't, don't do enough. So, mm-hmm. but I'll tell you what it's, I'm, I'm glad we have someone because you're, you have a history of working in the industry, developing foods and engineering them 
to taste so fucking good that we can't resist them. And I'm glad you're on this side. Yeah. And not well, on the other side. Why you're, yeah, you got to be, you gotta be super side. excited about that because there's probably not a lot of health companies and like, because oh, there's not as much money going into that as there's like if Nestle. you can't beat them, join them, man. Well, yeah. Like, Grab that guy, bring him over here. When yeah. you think of other companies, like organic companies that are out there, like, is there is there as much research? I feel like Quest is probably one of the co- companies too that's doing good work like that. I mean, is there a lot of other companies that you would consider a competitor or you guys kind of stand alone? There's not a lot of people um, doing what you're doing. You know, I it's it's funny. I don't really ever think of competitors. Um, there's a lot of companies out there that are doing similar work and I think of them more as companies to collaborate with, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll say there'll be two types of food companies, those that have metabolic truth and maintain metabolic integrity and those that are metabolic disasters. I'm going to put them into those two camps. And so anybody who's developing products that taste amazing and that maintain metabolic integrity, they're on my team, whether they're no foods or not. And anybody who's making, and to be honest, I like the junk food industry. So keep making haagen keep making Ben and Jerry's, love that stuff. But it's really the stuff that's positioned to be better for you. Mm. That really isn't better for you. So it's the ones. It's slightly better for you. It's like um, you know, smoking cigarettes with a filter is better for you than not, but it's still bad for you. So there's a lot of things that are bad for you that are being promoted as better for you. I want to expose all that. And there's billions of dollars being made uh, on those types of products. Mm. Um, and so on on this other side of the equation, you have companies like Quest for sure. They're tackling the whole anything to do with the bar they're going to own, right? Cereal bars, candy bars, sure. and bars in all their forms. And I'm sure there's more stuff coming from those guys. Um, there's a really great company out there called Real Good Food. They make a product called Real Good Pizza. Uh, it's a pizza that's got 25 grams of protein and four net carbs and actually four total carbs because it's made out of chicken breast and cheese, the, the, the crust, believe it or not. Chicken breast and cheese? Yeah. <laughs> chicken breast and yeah, cheese. Yeah, so in, in fact, Dom Diagostino <laughs> likes the product. He was talking about it on the- We uh, just uh, fell into uh, cauliflower foods, yeah. which is really good, which it's it's pizza crust made out of cali- or, uh, cauliflower. So that's a fun one right there, right? So, so cauliflower pizza has been a thing for a while now, right? Sure. So if you go online, people have realized that how do we, how can we enjoy pizza without all the problems that come with pizza? So somehow figured out, someone figured out you can make it out of cauliflower. Cool. Now you've got all these people launching cauliflower pizza products out there. One retailer in particular, I won't name them on here because I don't want to mad at me, but I see everyone posting this cauliflower pizza out there and I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool. I take the work out of it. I look at the ingredients. It's a metabolic disaster. It's it's like the whole reason to add cauliflower is so that you don't have the carbs in it. And then they added a whole bunch of other carbs. It's worse than normal pizza. So it's that kind of stuff drives me crazy. We start with flour. Right. And then we we (laughs) add cauliflower to it. Yes. Cauliflower pizza. This this is actually what motivated these ladies who started this cauliflower foods was exactly that was Mm -hmm. even the the cauliflower pizzas out there had all these preservatives and all this shit in it. It's like, it's not even good for you, but they promote it that way. The entire gluten free category is like that so it reminds me of the vegan category like oh it's meatless uh, sausage and you look at the back and the ingredient list is like (laughs) you know a hundred a hundred lines long and you're like this is not healthy just because it doesn't have meat in it almost every gluten-free bread that's out there that i can think of other than ours may very well be gluten-free but they're also adding like tapioca starch so they're like highly glycemic yeah so if you want to get on a path to diabetes like eat that stuff <laughs> just because it's gluten free doesn't mean it's, it's correct. Yeah. Are you guys doing anything on the fitness side? Are you because it's kind of like health food, right? Do you work with 
anyone to develop fitness programs or promote exercise or anything like that? Or is that in the, in the future? Uh, that's not something that we're doing at all. Perhaps sometime in the future. I mean, we, we, we do think of ourselves as trying to solve some of these grand problems and we're doing it through nutrition, but um, certainly something that we'd be open to in the future. We are heavily involved with the influencer community um, and have a lot of great relationships um, in, in that space. And so perhaps, you know, working with some of those folks. Man, I'm glad we got to know you then. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. yeah, that's awesome. Well, no, yeah. appreciate you coming on the show, brother. It's my pleasure. And Thank I you. look Definitely. forward to uh, to listening to the podcast to going forward. Yes. We're, we'll be your favorite podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Easily. Cool. Excellent. Cool. Uh, thanks to our host, Spartan Race, Joe Decina, and the Spartan Up Podcast for setting up a great weekend here at the 2017 Spartan Race World Championship. We are recording live from Lake Tahoe at the Spartan Up Podfest, part of the 2017 Spartan Race World Championships. Fucking awesome out here. And we are with, uh, I don't know, man. I think we might be related. Yeah. I mean, you are kind of handsome. So I'm like, okay, there's got to be something there. Joe Stefano. Yeah. I've never met another, another Stefano. Stefano. How the hell did that happen? I don't know, man. And we're both, are we both DI? <laughs> DI space. Do you space yeah, it and everything? Yeah, oh yeah. I swear to God, man, we got to oh, be yeah. related. We must have been separated. Are you really first. smart too? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Depends the context who you ask. I'm good at faking it, but. Um, definitely. Oh, oh yeah. That's it. We're definitely related. <laughs> so so you, you, you're the co-founder of Spartan Coaching. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, you know, very, very early on in Spartan, you know, back in the day, it was this thing where it was just kind of bored triathletes like, oh, you know, is it like a triathlon? Like, what is it? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there was obviously a lot of general population people that were getting into 5Ks and things like that. And when when we would try to explain what OCR was, and I don't even think we called it OCR at the time, it was like, well, how do I train for that? What do I, how do I, what do I eat? What do I wear? Mm -hmm. And so we started Spartan Coaching, which at first was actually kind of an adjacent vertical, like an adjacent business next to Spartan. And it focused on kind of preparing people for uh, really getting them to understand what Spartan race was. Um, and so, and so, yeah, now it's kind of, now we call it SGX, which is our Spartan kind of group exercise program. And so it's do just you, a, do you give people rec like specifics? Like this is what the workout should look like. This is what you train for in order to get ready for these races. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. So a lot of the coaching program that we created is actually based in psychology, kind of getting people to understand, to see the race for more than just a bunch of walls, water and fire. Right. Mm -hmm. Joe created this thing, you know, as a metaphorical kind of experience. We don't really care if you can climb a wall. We want to see if you can kind of conquer something that's in your way. And if you can't, you're willing to pay the price to get around it, which is 30 burpees, right? So the big thing with the coaching program is getting people to see the kind of backstory and the reason why we created this thing. Um, and then beyond that, it's about training, right? And so it's less like, here's our favorite workouts, and it's more, how do you create a 12-week program? You know, the average person that signs up for a Spartan race is going to sign up 12 weeks out and then start taking it seriously and train a little bit. So uh, you, you walk out of the course with a kind of a 12-week template on how to prepare somebody for the race. And now is it for, is it like beginner to race or is this more for intermediate 12 weeks for all? Yeah. Yeah, all of them. So, you know, it's really interesting where the it's it's kind of a, an undulated program where the first 4 weeks of the program focus on body weight training, the next 4 weeks focus on sort of like, you know, carries, medicine ball stuff, and then the the last four weeks is more kind of hardcore conditioning. Let's get race ready, mm -hmm. right? And so whether it's a beginner, a couch potato, or whether it's an advanced triathlete, you know, four weeks of body weight training can kind of really get anybody a little bit more athletic. Anybody, mm -hmm. you know, if you've ever seen like animal flow, like the stuff Mike oh, Fitch yeah, does. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so we can incorporate that scale uh, and make it as difficult as possible. But I think the general kind of rubric for training for Spartan is 
get super comfortable in your own skin, get yeah. fluid and get your movement down. Get connected again to your body. Get yeah. connected. Exactly. I like that. You, you started out with the body weight training specifically because right. a lot of people like, yeah, they get that disconnect from their body and they're not, you know, really aware of like their joints and like right. what, what they're capable of. So that's great. Well, that's the big thing, right? Is that, you know, let's say you're going to climb a wall. It's like one person can approach a wall and they've learned, they take all the dysfunction from sitting at a desk or what have you, or, or not being comfortable in their own skin, not being able to move versatility, but they learned how to climb a wall and this is what it looks like, mm-hmm. right? You take somebody that's, you know, done a lot of animal flow or done a lot of kind of movement stuff and, you know, maybe the wall is slanted now and it's a little bit different. They're going to figure it out. But the person that took a dysfunctional body and just learned how to climb a rope or climb a wall right. is going to be much more like, whoa, what am I going to do here? I got to figure this that out. That is a very, very good yep. point because you can definitely train. It's adaptation, I think. Mean, you, get, you get very specific with your adaptation, very specific with these movements in this pattern, in this plane of movement. And if you change that just a little bit, I don't think people realize. We talk about this on the show all the time. People don't realize just there's carryover. But it's not a whole lot, you know, if you're really good at, you know, squatting a particular way and now we front load you or now you put yourself in a split stance, like, you know, 80% of your strength and stability is gone. So your training is geared towards getting people to be able to move better, period, and be able to scale all these different things. So it's not specific to the obstacle or is is that also included? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. So. Uh, SGX is mostly about creating a versatile body, right? That can kind of conquer anything. Above and beyond that, we've created a class called Obstacle Specialist, which is specifics. This is how you do an S-wrap. This is how you do a J-hook. This is how you climb the wall three different ways. This is how you flip over the wall like some of the pros do. Um, So the actual coaching program is more based in creating a body that's kind of capable of whatever you want it to do. Mm. And then the capstones are more specifics. When you have a pro team athlete that wants to be the absolute best rope climber on the planet, you know, what are the steps you take to do that? Uh, how do you train for a race like this at altitude, um, high heat? So as you kind of add, we have a level two program as well. And then we have the obstacle specialist that gets into the more nitty gritty stuff. Is but, this all online based or how does this work? It's everything. So we have, we teach the workshop occasionally, mostly at our stadium races. We, it's a two day live workshop. Uh, it's also around a 30 day online program. Uh, so, you know, as we've kind of expanded globally, just exponentially, right. You know, we've got 200 races, just about 30 countries. The interest in this program was far greater than we could when we could, right. uh, you know, get two-day workshops propped up and I train bet. instructors. So uh, we were really, really late to putting it online just because we were really afraid to do that. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to be lumped into that, you know, log in and get a cert. Um, but it's taught just like a college course. It's actually taught by one of my professors from exercise physiology undergrad, uh, taught just like a university class, takes about a oh, month to very get cool. through. Um, so it's no joke. And, and the, the pass rate, you know, what's funny too, is I took a class on how to create, you know, kind of the business of a certification. Right. And one of the things that I was, that I took home was if, if less than 90% of people are not, or less than 90% of people are passing your cert, then it's too hard. Hmm. We're, we're like 50%, we're like 55%. Um, and we're, you want, you want to have, I mean, you want to got integrity behind it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, um, you could take a class on how to develop I know. I'm a certification. Yeah. I'm very interested in that. Yeah, what else did yeah. they say in that class? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like, so, hmm, cause we're, we're, we're working on that. We're talking yeah. about creating a certification for online coaching. Cause yeah. it's such a big, we, we all have, uh, you know, decades of experience in the fitness industry as trainers and then 
training trainers, and I see your background, your corrective exercise specialist, uh, you know, through NASM, and you've got yeah, Czech Institute training yeah. and all that stuff. So uh, you definitely know your shit. Um, but what do they? What do they? What do they tell you to do? Like, how do you develop the certification? So that's one of them, right? Yeah, a whole but everybody has to pass basically. Right, right. Everyone has to pass. And in this course, I um, it was really a more robust fitness business course. Okay, that was just one element of it. It wasn't a full weekend on how to create a certification. Um, but um, but yeah, that was just one of the takeaways. How did you and Joe get connected? Um, you know that's a funny story. You gotta know, tell me. I, I can say it on the air. Oh, but. this is my oh, book. You say whatever the fuck you want, bro. Oh, dude, our show. Don't yeah. tease yeah. us. We're, like that. That. we're coined as the Howard Stern of yeah. fitness. All right, yeah. all right. Yeah, so so um, on Tinder. This, <laughs> this is a hilarious story. Ooh, that is so, spicy. Yeah. So all right, I just told you that you know one of my college professors actually teaches that class, right? Mm-hmm. Well, when I went to school in the early two thousands, you know I you know, I played baseball growing up and I was a, um, amateur skateboarder. Um, I was never really into endurance sports at all. I maintained like a sub eight minute mile so I could be on a baseball team, but that was about it. And, um, in my brain, when I went to college, I was undeclared. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, in my brain, I'd never really, I didn't put a lot of thought into it, but I was, you know, a marathon is like, that's like as far as the body goes. Like, you know, the first guy to do it yeah. died. Yeah, your nipples bleed. <laughs> like, no one runs more than when a marathon. Your nipples bleed, something's happening. <laughs> right. No, that was it. And so um, I never had any interest in running a marathon, but I also didn't really think that there was anything beyond that. Mm. And when I went to school, I bumped into a guy, um, like a dining hall or something, and he was one of the professors in the exercise science department. And he's got this thick Boston accent, and he goes, yeah, I got 100 mila this weekend. <laughs> And I'm like, what hundred miles. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, what is a hundred mile? I, I have a buddy who's an ultra marathon runner. <laughs> right. And um, he goes, I'm gonna run a hundred miles. And I'm like, that's not even a thing. Like, what do you mean on your feet? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like for like a week in a day. Like, how's this like, happening? What, like, yeah. yeah, I had no idea. And what was funny, I was like looking at him and judging him. I'm like, if you can run a hundred miles, like I wonder how far I can run. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I did. I uh, signed up for a half marathon and did it like you know a week later just to see if I could do it. But him and I are still great, great friends. We ended up doing a few races together. He got me into triathlon eventually. Um, and so maybe it was 2004. He's like, hey, I'm doing this race. It's called the death race. Mm. And I'm uh. like, that doesn't sound appealing. Like, I don't know, you know, I don't know what that is. Like, you're going to die he's and like, then we'll bring you back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I had no idea. And um, I think that was the first year Joe did it. And he couldn't tell me anything about it. He said it was going to be around a 24-hour race. And I was like, I'm not interested. Like, I'm in the zone right now. I'm an exercise science student. I want to know what I'm up against so I can type A it. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and just make sure that I'm trained. Get your and protocols in place. Yeah. Right. I don't want to sign up for something you can't tell me anything about. Right. And he made it like five hours. I think he walked in and it was like 3,000 burpees at the start line and then you can start. <laughs> <laughs> and Dr. J, I Reasonable. call him. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, I call totally. him the wounded buffalo because he's a guy that runs 100 miles. But Dr. J, I love you. But like watch him do a burpee at that point in time. We talked about your adaptations. Yeah. If you run 100 miles, you got no hip mobility because you don't need it. You got no strength mm-hmm. in the upper body. You don't need it. You got, you got no hand efficiency. That's it. Right. Yeah. Your oh, control God, It's such an ugly burpee watching that happen. Oh, man. <laughs> I, you know, until 2013, I don't think I ever saw Doc do a barbed wire crawl and not need to stand up at some point in it, right? And I, and I love you, Doc, but what happens is your mobility is just, you don't need it to run 100 miles. What you need right. is just... You yeah, just need yeah, a bobblehead yeah. and, and some strong <laughs> ankles. Yeah. And um, um, so so anyways, I don't think he made it through the 3,000 burpees. He came home. He's like, dude, it was sick. It was awesome. 
2005, he's like, you should do this with me. No, 2006, 2007, 2008. And I just, I don't want to go hang out with this lunatic Joe. <laughs> like, I don't want to do that. And then yeah. he's like, whatever it was, um, Amesbury or um, there was a, one of the very early Spartans. He's like, all right, that guy that, you, you know, the death race guy, he's putting on a race and it's called Spartan and you're going to love it. It's a 5K, you'll be done in 45 minutes. I'm like, all right, I can, I can, I can <laughs> yeah, handle that's it. Reasonable. Yeah, it's no problem. And uh, that's the rest is kind of history. And then um, Doc and I both got involved with Joe and creating now, how's because this is the early days, and we interviewed Joe, a uh, guy like six months ago. Great story. Probably one of our favorite interviews. Great yeah. storyteller. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, no. he's hilarious. Oh yeah, great story, man. So, how was this super small? Was it just was it an intimate like, group of guys, or how big was the very first one you went to? Oh my gosh, yeah, no, it's um, I mean, it was it was not small. I mean, now I think we would probably consider it very, very, very small. But at that point, I was running a lot of local five k. I was running a lot of turkey trots, and I was used to seeing you know three hundred person races and yeah. you know five. So I don't know what the number was, yeah. Um, but it seemed cool. There was that like coming from conventional endurance sports. There was that little bit of edginess, yeah. like, you know, there was fire. We had, you know, gladiators at the time, like just these buff dudes with like mallets. <laughs> just that like you gotta, mean mugging you or Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know if you guys know this. At the finish line, we used to have actual like American gladiators oh, that's awesome. that would actually hit you. Oh, that's great. And you'd have to wrestle. Why did they you. take that out? Oh. <laughs> As you grow, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. you can. Yeah. Well, you know, and the real reason is um, I remember a race I watched and it was Hobie Call and Hunter McIntyre. It might have been 2013. They were both coming in full steam heading into the finish line. And I think Hunter got hit and Hobie didn't. Well, there's the race. Oh, wow. So, oh, that's, oh, wow. So from a sport perspective, it makes no sense. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. I can make a few arguments for the open wave why it's not a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, back in the day, it was funny because when you're coming into the finish line, you're all, you're, you know, you're so excited and then you see this just guy just, <laughs> just staring you down for a hundred yards yeah. ready for you. So. Oh, that's funny. So now, and I know Joe's personality, so I'm wondering you guys meet was it like instant connection right away? How did you guys even start talking? How did this develop into a business? Right, right. So another funny story. Uh, Joe, you know, Joe's really an interesting guy. He and is. He's, you know, he's the real deal. Um, and I was intimidated by Joe mm. at the beginning, especially since I'd been hearing these stories for almost, you know, seven years about this death race. And, you know, I'd always avoided <laughs> going up there and meeting him. And so there was, it was kind of a, it was kind of a slow build. And I remember it might've been 2012. He, um, he invited this group of us up to Vermont. It was Dr. J, me, Jeff Finicello, who is a, um, he's an Olympic wrestler. He teaches in Arizona now, I think at Arizona state, um, Mark Devine, you guys must know, mm -hmm. um, a few other studs and like, just put us in a room. And, um, we ended up putting a big group of coaches through an event later that weekend. Uh, but that was really the kickoff of this thing. And, you know, Mark Devine kind of given his two cents, like what, what it means to be Spartan and, and Jeff Finicello. It was, it was funny actually. So Joe was like, um, with this weekend, you know, this group of coaches, that's going to come in. They have to be smarter than you, Dr. J and Mark, they have to, um, you know, they have to chop wood with you for six hours. <laughs> And Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, they have to wrestle you. Like, you're an Olympic wrestler. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, it was pretty funny. But um, we ended up doing, like, you know, seven hours of Bikram yoga in two days. We hiked the mountain. You know, I actually did wrestle Jeff Finicello. There was a photo of it. Within about a second, I was upside down. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but that was really the kickoff. And that's when kind of friendships really 
kind of created and, and then the rest that's, is history. That's excellent. That's How great. many people do you guys have in your coaching uh, program now? There's about a thousand certified coaches right now, um, which again is a slow build. That's, you know, there's been a lot more than that that have come through the course, whether online or live. And then there's obviously the attrition every year for people that, that don't meet the requirements to, to keep the cert another year. So about a thousand right now. How long does it take to get the cert if someone who were to start and say, hey, I want to get certified? 30 days, I think you said, it's just right? three days? 30 days. So 30 days. Yeah, so you can come to a live two-day workshop. There are prerequisites. You got to be a coach. You got to be. You got to have your CPR. You got to be a certified trainer. Um, anybody can take the class, but if you want to exit as a certified, oh, coach, oh wow! So you actually have to be a nationally certified trainer before you even go to your course, right? Oh, right, cool, right? So oh, we see cool. it as a specialty, right? Yeah. So uh, we don't want to teach you guys A and P. You know, we don't want to teach you guys. You know, that's you know a lot of integrity with that because yeah. I feel like there's a lot of other certifications out there that I won't name any names where you show up for a weekend doesn't matter what your background mm. is and now you're programming. Olympic well, you and, see, and like when we look at interesting, uh, when you we look at, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Well, you walk in, you you walk into some of your biggest chain gyms. You always, I mean, where you see most of the people are in these Group X classes. Right, you know, right, and these right. are the people teaching fifty, hundred people, and they went mm. through some weekend certification course, right. and they have no real understanding of physiology, metabolism, any of that shit. Right. And so that's pretty cool that you guys do that. Yeah. That you got to have a national cert before you can even go through your certification. So right, right. And, and um, you know what's so funny is again the first certification we did. So Dr. J is, I mean, he's a he's a unbelievable guy, and he's a college professor. He's a PhD in this stuff, takes it super seriously. Um, the first training, the first exam to be a Spartan coach was. I, I took four years of exercise physiology with Dr. J at university and I got a 72 or something, oh, wow. right? You know, so the first test oh, was just insane. It's and brutal. Huh? We've backed it off yeah. a little bit. Right? <laughs> yeah. um, I hope yeah, so. Let's, let's calm down. Yeah. yeah no, but, but that was kind of like yeah. with, with Joe's intent, Joe was like, if someone's a Spartan coach, yeah. they're the best. They better be the smartest yeah. motherfuckers in the world. You That's know, awesome. it's like, that was his, uh, that was his yeah. thing. And again, he had to, well, to wrestle Jeff Finicello and, and hang with Mark Devine. So, so now, are you? Do you and Joe work day to day, or how often do you guys even communicate? Because I'm sure you're super busy doing what you're doing. Do you guys even see each other that much? Yeah, well, he's in Japan now, so um, you know we don't. I wouldn't say we work day to day together. Uh, we're on email. He's over there working on that Hello Kitty deal, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, you sure, you sure uh, that story. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's very important that he's over. I still there. think you should sell those shirts. I think it'd be money. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's excellent. But, well, uh, so uh, when you look at the like the top top performers uh, who who are like the, the best of the best in these particular races, where, what backgrounds do they usually come from? What do they look like? Because I know everybody can do it. I see people from all walks of life competing in these things. I don't mean by everybody isn't everybody, but you know everybody gets something out of it. But then you've got those top performers. What is their backgrounds typically? Are they marathon runners? Are they you know like what do they look like? Are they smaller, bigger? Right. Well, that's, I mean, that's a loaded question, man. And, and I've, I think I've gotten the question about 400 times in the past 24 hours, like who's going to win. Yeah. And you know, what's hilarious, uh, is if I were, if I were to guess maybe Hobie, maybe Hunter, they got 40 pounds between them, right? Hobie's yeah. 130 some odd pound marathon runner hunters. I don't know if he's 185, he's 195. It's really hard. I think that's what makes this cool is that you can't, 
pigeonhole it to right. like, oh, okay, this is the body type. This is the person who wins these races always. Right, right. And um, I think we're at a point now, you know, this year with the U.S. Championship Series, we made it all supers and then a beast at the end. Um, I think if you looked across everything, like the best runner is going to win, um, mm-hmm. you know, bar in, a, in you know, over the over course of time, the best runner is going to win. Um, but I think over time, if, if the sport goes in the directions that some of us want it to, there's going to be opportunities for the heavier, stronger dudes mm. and, and gals. I was going to ask you that. We, were, ta- for that. we yeah. were talking to, uh, who was the athlete that we're talking to from Kuwait? Kuwait. Yeah. 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 Yosef. And, yeah. 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 Great, guy. great guy talking about all there the, there he is right there. there. Yeah. That's fun. How funny yeah. is that? We, <laughs> we summoned him. We just literally, summoned literally him. just yeah. said his name. How I crazy is that? He heard you. Yeah. So uh, talking to him, and he was saying that, um, you know, right now he, he feels that the races kind of favor typically more the runners and that, you know, some other obstacle courses that are way heavy on the obstacle side. Do you see in the future putting more uh, emphasis on the obstacle side? Or maybe just changing and not offering different kinds? Or Right, right. And um, if you look at this course today, you know, we've got a new obstacle up at the top of the mountain. That's a double. You guys are familiar with our Atlas ball carry, right? Yeah. It's 115 or so for men. Well, we've got an obstacle at the top of the mountain that's two of those, and they've got a handle bolted into the ball of concrete, right? Uh, so that's a you know that's a two hundred plus pound farmer carry. You got to go forty feet with, um, in the you know at mile seven and a half yeah. uh, at, oh, there you at go. nine thousand feet. So um, yes, and and we've got two hercoys here. We've got you know this new rig we've got is just you know that's that's a lot of grip strength. So I think given any race, this is a sixteen point five mile race, we'll call it right now. Um, that's going to favor a runner. Um, but I think if you look at like our stadium races, like if we can start jacking the weights on some of the obstacles in the stadium series, which is a, you know, it's a 27 minute race anyway. Mm. And then if it was heavier weights, so we started to get distinct to your point, body types. Mm. So the stadium race, you've got 175 pound, little bit of a burlier athlete. And then in the beast races, um, the obstacles are a little heavy, but You've got the 140 pound guy and the 108 pound girl, or or what have you. Um, so we'll see. I hope that that is kind of the future. Exciting, man. Well, we're happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're pumped to have you guys. <laughs> Appreciate yeah. it. Thank yeah. you very much. This Joe. is super yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah, 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 very cool. Thank you very much. Uh, we want to thank our host Spartan Race, Joe Decina, and the Spartan Up Podcast for setting up a great weekend here at the 2017 Spartan Race World Championship. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now, plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.